Selections from the Dolorous Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ From the Visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich Continuing Chapter 1 Jesus in the Garden of Olives The consoling visions faded away, and the angels displayed before him the scenes of his passion, quite close to the earth, because it was near at hand. I beheld every scene distinctly portrayed, from the kiss of Judas to the last words of Jesus on the cross. Every part of the passion was shown to him in the minutest detail. He accepted all voluntarily, submitting to everything for the love of man. He saw also and felt the sufferings endured at that moment by his mother, whose interior union with his agony was so entire that she had fainted in the arms of her two friends. When the visions of the Passion were concluded, Jesus fell on his face like one at the point of death. The angels disappeared, and the bloody sweat became more copious, so that I saw it had soaked his garment. Entire darkness reigned in the cavern when I beheld an angel descend to Jesus. This angel was of higher stature than any whom I had before beheld. His form was also more distinct and more resembling that of a man. He was clothed like a priest in a long floating garment, and bore before him in his hands a small vase, in shape resembling the chalice used at the Last Supper. At the top of this chalice there was a small oval body, about the size of a bean, which diffused a reddish light. The angel, without touching the earth with his feet, stretched forth his right hand to Jesus, who arose. He placed the mysterious food in his mouth and gave him to drink from the luminous chalice. Then he disappeared. Jesus, having freely accepted the chalice of his sufferings and received new strength, remained some minutes longer in the grotto, absorbed in calm meditation and returning thanks to his heavenly Father. He was still in deep affliction of spirit, but supernaturally comforted to such a degree as to be able to go to his disciples without tottering as he walked or bending beneath the weight of his sufferings. His countenance was still pale and altered, but his step was firm and determined. He had wiped his face with a linen cloth and rearranged his hair, which hung about his shoulders, matted together, and damp with blood. When Jesus came to his disciples, they were lying as before against the wall of the terrace, asleep and with their heads covered. Our Lord told them that then was not the time for sleep, but that they should arise and pray. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, let us go. Behold, he is at hand that will betray me. It were better for him if that man had not been born. The apostles arose in much alarm and looked round with anxiety. When they had somewhat recovered themselves, Peter said, Lord, I will call the others so that we may defend thee. But Jesus pointed out to them at some distance in the valley, on the other side of the brook of Kedron, a band of armed men, 
who were advancing with torches, and he said that one of their number had betrayed him. He spoke calmly, exhorted them to console his mother, and said, Let us go to meet them. I shall deliver myself up without resistance into the hands of my enemies. He then left the Garden of Olives with the three apostles and went to meet the archers on the road which led from that garden to Gethsemane. Chapter 2 Judas and His Band Judas had not expected that his treason would have produced such fatal results. He had been anxious to obtain the promised reward and to please the Pharisees by delivering up Jesus into their hands, but he had never calculated on things going so far, or thought that the enemies of his master would actually bring him to judgment and crucify him. His mind was engrossed with the love of gain alone, and some astute Pharisees and Sadducees, with whom he had established an intercourse, had constantly urged him on to treason by flattering him. He was sick of the fatiguing, wandering, and persecuted life which the apostles led. For several months past, he had continually stolen from the alms which were consigned to his care, and his avarice, grudging the expenses incurred by Magdalene when she poured the precious ointment on the feet of our Lord, incited him to the commission of the greatest of crimes. He had always hoped that Jesus would establish a temporal kingdom and bestow upon him some brilliant and lucrative post in it, but finding himself disappointed, he turned his thoughts to amassing a fortune. He saw that sufferings and persecutions were on the increase for our Lord and his followers, and he sought to make friends with the powerful enemies of our Savior before the time of danger. For he saw that Jesus did not become a king, whereas the actual dignity and power of the high priest and all who were attached to his service made a very strong impression upon his mind. He began to enter by degrees into a close connection with their agents, who were constantly flattering him and assuring him in strong terms that, in any case, an end would speedily be put to the career of our divine Lord. He listened more and more eagerly to the criminal suggestions of his corrupt heart, and he had done nothing during the last few days but go back and forth in order to induce the chief priests to come to some agreement. But they were unwilling to act at once, and treated him with contempt. They said that sufficient time would not intervene before the festival day, and that there would be a tumult among the people. The Sanhedrin alone listened to his prop proposals with some degree of attention. After Judas had sacrilegiously received the Blessed Sacrament, Satan took entire possession of him, and he went off at once to complete his crime. He, in the first place, sought those persons who had hitherto flattered and entered into agreements with him, and who still received him with pretended friendship. Some others joined the party, and among the number, Annas and Caiaphas, but the latter treated him with considerable pride and scorn. All these enemies of Christ were extremely undecided, and far from feeling any confidence of success, because they mistrusted Judas. I saw the empire of hell divided against itself. 
Satan desired the crime of the Jews and earnestly longed for the death of Jesus, the converter of souls, the holy teacher, the just man who was so abhorrent to him. But at the same time, he felt an extraordinary interior fear of the death of the innocent victim, who would not conceal himself from his persecutors. I saw him then on the one hand stimulate the hatred and fury of the enemies of Jesus, and on the other insinuate to some of their number that Judas was a wicked, despicable character, and that the sentence could not be pronounced before the festival, or a sufficient number of witnesses against Jesus be gathered together. Everyone proposed something different, and some questioned Judas, saying, Shall we be able to take him? Has he not armed men with him? The traitor replied, No, he is alone with eleven disciples. He is greatly depressed, and the eleven are timid men. He told them that now or never was the time to get possession of the person of Jesus, that later he might no longer have it in his power to give our Lord up into their hands, and that perhaps he should never return to him again, because for several days past it had been very clear that the other disciples and Jesus himself suspected and would certainly kill him if he returned to them. He told them likewise that if they did not at once seize the person of Jesus, he would make his escape and return with an army of his partisans to have himself proclaimed king. These threats of Judas produced some effect. His proposals were acceded to, and he received the price of his treason, thirty pieces of silver. Judas could not help being conscious that they regarded him with contempt and distrust, for their language and gestures betrayed their feelings, and pride suggested to him to give back the money as an offering for the temple in order to make them suppose his intentions to have been just and disinterested. But they rejected his proposal because the price of blood could not be offered in the temple. Judas saw how much they despised him, and his rage was excessive. He had not expected to reap the bitter fruits of his treason even before it was accomplished. But he had gone so far with these men that he was in their power, and escape was no longer possible. They watched him carefully and would not let him leave their presence until he had shown them exactly what steps were to be taken in order to secure the person of Jesus. Three Pharisees accompanied him when he went down into a room where the soldiers of the temple were assembled. When everything was settled and the necessary number of soldiers gathered together, Judas hastened first to the supper room, accompanied by a servant of the Pharisees, for the purpose of ascertaining whether Jesus had left, as they would have seized his person there without difficulty if once they had secured the doors. Judas returned and said that Jesus was no longer in the supper room, but that he must certainly be on the Mount Olivet, in the spot where he was accustomed to pray. He requested that only a small number of men might be sent with him, lest the disciples who were on the watch should perceive anything and raise a sedition. The traitor likewise bade them be careful, lest he should escape them, since he by mysterious means had so often hidden himself in the mountain, and made himself suddenly invisible to those around. He recommended them besides to fasten him with a chain. The Jews listened to all these pieces of advice with scornful indifference, 
and replied, If we once have him in our hands, we will take care not to let him go. This has been taken from The Dolorous Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ from the Visions of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich published by 10 books. For more information, call 1-800-437-5876 or find them on the web at www.tenbooks.com. This work is in the public domain. This has been Christian Classics with Teresa Hofer. Listen every Monday through Friday at this time as Teresa continues her great readings and selections from classic Christian literature right here on the Ave Maria Radio Network, news and talk for Catholic and other Christians. <laughs>